Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, episode number 28. Yeah, and one thing I particularly like is when uh, people do group privates and they are people that are going to continue to work together Mm -hmm. afterwards, you know? So I've had groups, they come in, two, three couples, and they say, well, we have been meeting at so-and-so's house and, you know, these are the things that we're having trouble with, you know? So they've already taken that time to explore and you know that they're going to take whatever you do in that group private um, and continue to work on it together. Yeah, they're typically the more serious students that do that for sure. But we love teaching to serious students. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. Thank you for joining us today. And today in our podcast, we have Rachel Cassandra coming back to join us again with another podcast here with us here on the episode. And we always love to have Rachel here to provide her insights from a variety of different dances with lots of experience, things like that to help enjoy are dancing a little bit more and to help you guys out to stay motivated and encouraged. Hey, Rachel. Hey, good to be back. Thanks, Charles. All right. So this podcast, how to keep up with your learning, how to stay motivated, how to push forward despite frustrations and setbacks and obstacles and things like that. Um, this is going to be the podcast where we're going to be focusing on that because it's something that we all go through regardless of the dance that we're in. And we definitely want to motivate the dancer in you, as you guys heard in the in the little blurb at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into like avenues of learning and what might work best for you and things like that, let's talk about the key thing here of motivation. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people think about, okay, if I want to get better in my dancing, then my motivation is to improve. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get better. And somehow that should be intrinsically motivating. And sometimes I think for most of us, we go through periods where it is intrinsically motivating, like just the learning process itself is exciting and we see ourselves making progress and that fuels us to keep going. But we also hit plateaus or Mm -hmm. we hit those obstacles and sometimes that's really not motivating enough anymore. Definitely. So I feel it's very important to identify what motivates you specifically, you know, because when you are in those slumps, when you are in those plateaus, sometimes it's good to go back to the source of your motivation and 
drum up some energy to continue to take your dance classes, to continue to take private lessons, etc., etc. But if you don't know what motivates you, then you're kind of stuck sometimes in those ruts. Absolutely. So some other motivators besides improving in your dance, um, we're just going to touch on a little bit here on what dance can accomplish. I know I was talking about dance being a stress reliever. Um, definitely, if you're doing a dance that's more physically engaging, it definitely be a health benefit of just like some cardio. Also, there's a huge social aspect of doing dance and meeting people, especially if you start to travel to a lot of festivals within your country or even internationally, you can go to festivals and just meet in your social circle. Yeah. And even just, even just in the local scene, you know, you're meeting people that you get to then see regularly. Um, and coming back to the idea of stress relief, even for the slower, more sensually categorized dances, um, there's all those studies that uh, have been posted around talking about how um, being in contact with other human beings also contributes to relieving depression and helping us let go of stress. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, I feel dance is definitely, in my case, from my experience, um, I used to be more of a nerdy IT guy and dance has definitely helped me come out of my shelf, uh, my shell and get to know people, not be afraid to like come up and ask a woman who may I, I may or may not find attractive and not get so nervous to where my knees start shaking. You know, I used to have those um, moments um, learning salsa and I'm like not letting fear stop you. OK, I'm going to count to three, three, two, one. Why don't you just go and ask the girl to dance, you know, and it yeah. just helps so much in that social aspect. For me, it's made a huge difference in traveling. I mean, of course, recently I've done lots of traveling specifically because of dancing, but I used to travel because I wanted to just see places or maybe I was visiting one particular friend. Um, and when you arrive in a completely new city or even a new country, you can feel a bit isolated. Um, and for me, starting dancing social dances like Lindy Hop and Salsa meant that no matter what new city or country I was in, um, chances were really good that I was going to be able to find some kind of social dancing, show up, uh, just dance with a bunch of people. And then they would say, Hey, I, I don't recognize you. Where are you from? And then, mm -hmm. you know, it would facilitate me making those local contacts and, you know, at least temporary friendships. Exactly. One of the best icebreakers out there, you know? Definitely. It's so much easier to ask a girl to dance than to see a girl at the bar and try to strike up a conversation. I don't even think I could do that. Yeah, social dancing is already kind of engineered towards, you know, having those short interactions. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. And one last thing we'll talk about, um, one of those benefits of social dancing and learning to dance is definitely a journey of self-discovery. That is a whole... Thing that could be a podcast in itself, but I definitely wanted to mention that because so many people that I've interviewed, um, other instructors and DJs and stuff like that, it's just a journey of getting to know yourself, getting to love yourself across many different mediums. But that's going to be a future podcast for sure. Yeah, I think it's it's well worth unpacking. I know that for myself, I have um, found new not just confidence, but also just things that I never even realized could be characteristics that I appreciate about myself and I discovered them through dance. Mm -hmm. So in our show notes here, Rachel, you outlined some gym analogies that I really, really, really loved. Um, 
<laughs> I love analogies when I'm teaching my class. If you guys have taken my classes before, I come yep. up with all kind of crazy <laughs> analogies. Me too. That one time we taught together, I felt like that was the one thing that you know really helped us mesh well is that we both love the R word pictures. <laughs> yes, definitely. It, it's it's kind of crazy, but it's 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 awesome, and it's not like pre-planned. It almost feels like like a innate comedian sometimes when you're coming up with these things, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. But, um, I'll let you kind of explain these because I really like the way that you laid them out. So I think uh, whether or not you enjoy fitness, probably <laughs> you've had some experience at some point in your life where you're like, all right, I'm going to get a gym membership. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna make some progress. That was me trying to do the Rocky theme, but not very well. <laughs> Um, and so for me, when I was thinking about how um, you can consider the different avenues of learning and how they can all contribute to reaching dance goals, I thought it related really well to um, fitness goals as well. So for example, um, there are fitness classes. And if you find it hard to be motivated to go to the gym by yourself or, you know, sticking to a schedule, fitness classes are super useful. There's a person who tells you what to do. Mm -hmm. And if you don't show up at 7 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays, then, you know, you miss that class. And also, you know, you start to build a little bit of a community and people, you know, they ask you, oh, I didn't see you on Thursday. Where were you? Mm -hmm. Maybe the shame can help you or maybe you just start appreciating those relationships and you want to come in more. And I think that's the same as our dance classes. You know, mm -hmm. they happen at a regular time. Often you pay for a series. So if you don't come, you know, that's just money that is wasted exactly. and you have your friends that you're starting to build up. So, you know, you want to keep going with that. The C word commitment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, sometimes you, you need something a little bit more personalized than a class. Mm hmm. And it's become, I think, increasingly popular to have a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when I first started working at a fitness center back in 2005. I mean, personal trainers, that was like not for, super common. You had to like be for like, celebrities. <laughs> yeah, or like if you were going to be in some kind of like show or exactly. competition, you know, that's <laughs> that was when you got a personal trainer. But I think these days it's really become... Um, much more, more well both affordable and commonplace mm -hmm. and in the same way of course in the dancing we have our private lessons and i think that's also something that more and more people are starting to recognize the value of definitely to get that one-on-one -on -one attention you know some people are a little bit more shy in the social aspect there's too many people that might be more introverted so they feel better for that or they might just have specific goals and you and I did an awesome podcast on the benefits of private uh -huh. lessons. So we'll include that link in the show notes here for you guys. So you guys can check out that podcast. Um, it was a really great podcast. And yeah, that's just that one-on-one -on -one -on -one attention and feedback and guidance helps out a lot. Now, uh, some, sometimes it helps to have accountability uh, when you're when you're trying to get fit um, mm -hmm. and so lots of people have either a gym buddy or, or a running buddy somebody who calls you up at 7 a.m. like hey I'm coming to pick you up let's mm -hmm. go <laughs> <laughs> um, and somebody that can encourage you and um, you know help you work through things and 
this is also something that I have really valued in my dance life. Um, over the years, I've had a few different practice partners, some mm-hmm. of whom were quite long-term, you know, over the course of years or months. Oh, wow. um, and others that, okay, it was just while I was in town, you know, we spent three hours working together, but always having an opportunity to work with another person who's at a similar level, mm-hmm. who has similar things that they want to work on, um, it's just invaluable. Yes. I wanted to give a shout out to Yasuko and Lilia, who are um, some Kizomba dancers here in Austin, but they're definitely each other's practice partners. Um, they work close to one another, so they'll get together on their lunch break or on the weekends and, and work on their dancing for Kizomba, which is pretty awesome. And... The other thing I wanted to say that came to mind is when, like, I I follow a lot of different entrepreneurs across across different platforms, and they talk about success and having an accountability partner. But this is in dance, but just and a financial accountability partner. Um, There's so many different aspects of our lives that we want to improve in, but the moment we get somebody else to help us, it it kind of makes that commitment a lot easier, knowing that somebody's going to be there, depending on you or walking with you along the way. And, and you can't really fool yourself. Like, yeah, I'm working hard, except like you've canceled for like the last three <laughs> weeks. You yeah, know? <laughs> for sure. So that definitely helps out a lot across different phases. And I feel like that's where synergy kind of comes into place. And the output or the total sum of what you can get from that synergistic, synergistic energy is greater than the components of its sum. Yep. I can tell you've been listening to entrepreneurs, Charles. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> one of my other passions aside from dance is just entrepreneurship. So, yeah. We uh, have one more gym analogy. Yeah. So, the, the last aspect is just all that stuff that you do on your own. Whether, I mean, for me personally, I went through um, a long period in my life where every morning I got up and I did calisthenics and stretching. Um, these days, the most common thing for me uh, five, six times a week is to go out running and You know, I just do that on my own because that is um, what works well in my schedule and because I feel motivated on my own to work on it. And in dancing, that has also been so huge for me. I always am joking with my students who are frustrated because they're not making progress on, you know, particularly things that involve strength or range of movement because those things just don't happen instantly. It's not like because you've understood the concept, you can do it. No, your body still needs to get there. Um, and so I, I always joke with them like, okay, just work on this while you're brushing your teeth, right? Mm -hmm. Like you do that a couple of times a day. So just like spend a minute, a couple of times a day working on this, um, and that consistent work just on your own is so valuable. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, stretching for me has become so much more, uh, valuable, especially when you start dancing a lot just to keep the body limber and you don't pull a muscle or anything like that. You definitely have to take care of yourself more and for more and more, even taking care of the feet after like a long festival or something like mm-hmm. that, just soaking your feet, just having that self-care does does wonders and helps you last longer to keep taking those classes, private lessons, depending on how physically engaging your dance is, you know? Yeah, and I think... Um well, we'll get into more detail when we when we unpack these avenues of learning. Yes, but. for sure. So um, speaking about accountability, there are different ways to go about doing this. Yeah, we talked about having like a partner, mm-hmm. but we can also have just something external to ourselves, whether or not another person is involved that can help us 
set goals and work towards them. For sure. So, I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, I want to get better at dancing. Let's go. And you get your practice partners. Like, okay, well, what are we going to be working on? You know, you have to practice with a purpose. And if you're going to have that in place, it's good to have a goal in place of what you're trying to get to find something that you currently can't do now that you're trying to strive towards. You know, um, it could be getting on a performance team. It could be doing X number of spins. It could be um, a split or something like that. Some kind of a long term or even a short term goal will help you stay focused. OK, this is what I'm going to focus on in that practice, you know, versus just kind of showing up and doing random things i'm pretty sure we've all had those days or been to the gym <laughs> where you're like i'm gonna go work out and you get to the gym and you're just kind of like doing random exercises on random machines and like there's no goal you know you're not gonna target a specific muscle group or, or things like that and you're not tracking the weights that you're lifting so it's easy to lose motivation if you're not seeing the little small victories that you're making along the way yeah, if you don't if you don't mark out some things that you're working towards, you won't necessarily notice when you have reached those points. Um, and I think that's why it's so valuable to also keep some kind of record, whether you have a journal where you take some notes about what you're working towards and when you accomplish certain milestones. Mm-hmm. For myself, when I was working with Florian Tepp, uh, when we were both in New York, we actually recorded all of our practice sessions and I still have I don't know how many gigs of (laughs) video data and it's not like I go back and look at it all that often but you can really see our progression both dancing together you know with him leading and me following but also we worked heavily um, on reversing those roles and it's yeah there are definitely plenty of comical moments in the beginning Mm -hmm. but each time you're like okay we're gonna work on this particular technique or this kind of move and you can see week to week that we move closer towards those goals yes that is awesome i carry around my camera and i have bought a 128 gig memory card just so i can record as min- as much video anywhere i'm going i have my camera there i have my memory card and i'm able to record um, as a dancer it's hard to look at and not see your progress i mean sometimes it just helps you hone in oh that's my my foot is doing that's what my axis is doing that's what my chest is doing and you you can't see that in the moment sometimes Mm -hmm. and video just really opens up that um if you're more of a person who likes to reflect um recording audio is also a good thing and a lot of my private lessons sometimes right after the private will sit down and will kind of audio speak into like my note in evernote all the light bulb moments that they had because I mean it could be a festival and you just got through dancing freaking eight hours at the social and you didn't get a lot of sleep and then you're taking a private lesson because you can take a private and then two weeks later you try to remember well what do we even go over and then it's Mm -hmm. hard you know but you kind of get that snapshot of those fresh ideas right then and there and I really like doing that and so like in my Evernote file I have like over a hundred easy just audio notes with different people that I've worked with over the years, but their light bulb moments are there captured in that little time capsule, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's let's unpack a little bit further some of the different avenues of learning. We talked about four of them in the gym analogy, but there's there's much more to say and there's some some more styles that we didn't uh quite get to yet. Um most, let's start with the most obvious. Mm-hmm. Classes. Weekly classes. Weekly classes have I remember when I this 
I mean, just hearing you say that reminds me of my salsa days when I first started learning salsa and I kind of like jumped in with both feet and started taking classes several times a week and going out social dancing several times a week. But it really does help uh, set your learning in, in that in the right direction, let alone letting your social circle start to improve so much more. So it's really, really helpful. And those weekly classes, depending on where you are, hopefully you have um, multiple options there to choose from. But it's definitely one of the low barrier of entry to get a class going and get some kind of dance in. Yeah. And one of the advantages of classes is that there is, I mean, if your teacher is at all respectable as a teacher, Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be a structure and there's going to be a clear progression so that from start to finish of a given series or of a given level, you are going to be covering things that generally people that are at your level need to learn in order to be able to progress. Mm -hmm. Um, And the teachers have plenty of experience with helping, uh, you know, those common pitfalls and so on. And when you, especially when you're just starting out, I think it's so reassuring to have other people around you who are making the same mistakes or struggling with the same things that you are. Um, so that you realize it's really just a phase. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's not that you are incapable. Um, it's just something that you work through. Definitely. But I know for some people, they don't have an option for a wiki class. and Or maybe they don't like the particular structure that they have in their particular local city. Or and they always have to work on the night that there's class. Yeah, life <laughs> logistics sometimes if they have kids or stuff like that. Sometimes it's just not possible to come out to that class on that particular day because Tanya has baseball practice. It, it happens for sure, you know. And this is where the weekend workshops might be a better option for you. Um, and it's not an either or. Some people definitely do weekly classes and workshops for sure. But weekend workshops, um, I've definitely taught many, many, many of those a lot. Uh-huh. And I really <laughs> like those weekend workshops. If I had to choose that over a festival, I definitely prefer the weekend workshops because you get to really teach a lot more, you know, versus trying to cram something into just an hour. But workshops, depending on the skill level, depending on the instructor can really target a particular topic. So that way the focus is like multiple hours on something in particular. And usually you get people coming in from neighboring cities and things like that, which really makes it a unique event. Again, going into that social aspect factor of dance. Yeah. So basically the advantages just to recap, there are um, something that you can plan for in your schedule um, that doesn't have to be all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, leave the kids with, somebody for Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like you were saying, you get to really dig deep into a particular topic. You get the opportunity to dance with people from neighboring area. Or if you're the person who lives far away, then you get to come into town Definitely. <laughs> and enjoy and enjoy that fellowship. But I think also one of the advantages of workshops is that you tend to have visiting instructors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that weekend workshops can only be taught by people from out of town, um, but that is one of the opportunities that to get to see point. other styles of instruction and benefit from people who have, you know, different backgrounds. Definitivamente. <laughs> All right. Next avenue of learning will be private lessons. Um, like we said before, we did a podcast on this earlier, um, Rachel and I, and that's going to be in the show notes, but private lessons definitely allow you to cater in on some learning if you really like 
a local instructor or whether you're at a festival or at a weekend workshop. I know people sometimes people aren't able to make a weekend workshop and they'll come and take a private with that that uh, particular instructor on a more convenient time that works for them, mm-hmm. depending yeah. on what they have going on logistically with their personal lives. Yep. And uh, both of us love the uh, the teaching aspect of private lessons. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of teachers really do. They value uh, being able to give you that instantaneous feedback and seeing you make real progress in such a short time frame. Whereas, you know, in group classes, teachers don't always get to see you make that progress. Yeah, because, I mean, if you have a group of 50 people, sometimes it's hard to isolate just one person, you know, and you can't Dude, really even dedicate. when it's a group of like 16 people, <laughs> you know, like you can't be watching them every second. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, I will say now that we're on this topic, I didn't think about it before, but I just had this idea. One of the things that I've been finding kind of popular when I go to travel are semi-private focus groups where you limit Mm, the number of people and maybe it's like three couples four couples and you really get a small group of people that are more or less on the same level because i know sometimes if you have those big weekend workshops of 16 20 30 40 50 people you get a mixed bag of a lot of people and it's hard to dissect the level but i've i've heard i've had many people who are on a similar level it's like let's let's get charles and let's just do something that's at our level you know because the rest of the scene isn't that developed or they want something that's more basic depending on what the situation is but that's really valuable as well to kind of have that individual attention for over multiple hours and it's a little more affordable than taking an individual private lesson yeah and one thing i particularly like is when uh, people do group privates and they are people that are going to continue to work together mm-hmm. afterwards, you know? So I've had groups, they come in, two, three couples, and they say, well, we have been meeting at so-and-so's house, and, you know, these are the things that we're having trouble with, you know? So they've already taken that time to explore, and you know that they're going to take whatever you do in that group private um, and continue to work on it together. So, yeah, they're typically the more serious students that do that for sure, but we love teaching to serious students. Well, I think that leads in nicely to talking about peer training and practice partners, which Mm -hmm. we touched on a little bit earlier. I often hear people make excuses like I can't find anybody Mm -hmm. that wants, you know, there's nobody else who's serious or I don't know, just there's there's a lot of hang ups about this. And I think sometimes it just comes down to like, how much do you actually want this? You know, sometimes people say that they can't find anybody but they're looking for just like this perfect Mm -hmm. someone or they say that they they don't have time in common but it's a question of like are you willing to make it enough of a priority to move other things around in your schedule i know Mm -hmm. that florian and i when we were practicing together i mean i was working probably 50 hours a week at my actual job Mm -hmm. and i was launching kazomba community Mm -hmm. which was just such a time sink um and and he was living like not exactly on the complete opposite side of new york city but not super close he was in an internship that was full-time and he was training with other people he was getting ready for a competition Mm -hmm. we were very busy people (laughs) But we made it a priority. And sometimes I didn't get sleep because it was important for me to train. And sometimes I didn't go to the gym because Mm -hmm. dancing was more important. And sometimes both of us missed a social night because we wanted to work together. 
And so I think, you know, if you find yourself making excuses, just consider like, is this a priority? How could you make it more of a priority? Because I bet that there's somebody else who would also like to be working on things with you. One question that came that was like glowing in my mind poetically while you, <laughs> you were just speaking. Poetic, glowing. I can't wait to hear question. this thought, Charles. <laughs> what is dance without sacrifice? Fun. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think you're going to find that that our listener base all believes that dance should come with sacrifice. Well, I mean, for that fun, you definitely make a decision to not go to the gym. You're going to go to the social. Um, I'm going to give another shout out. So there's this is one guy. Um, he's in South Carolina. His name is Enrique. Enrique has recently fallen in love with Kizomba, but there's nobody teaching in the city. I think it's in Charleston, South Carolina. So this gentleman, he, he has flown out to maybe five different Kizoma workshops out, out of state within the last, I want to say, three to four months to mm-hmm. kind of make, a, uh, make it a priority. So he sacrifices extra work hours and stuff like that if he has to work on the weekend. He sacrifices a little bit of income and stuff like that, but it's worth the sacrifice to go out and do that because he really wants to. Because he could definitely say, oh, and look at those obstacles and say, oh, well, there's no Kizoma in my city. I can't travel anywhere. All these places are too far. And he doesn't plan or make that sacrifice to go out. And then a lot of people do sacrifice income and time and stuff like that because of this exchange and things like that. So, I mean, I think that's basically what priorities mean we live in a society that encourages us to be busy we all have lots and lots of things that we are doing and that we could be doing um and so basically no matter what it is that we are doing we are making a decision not to do Mm -hmm. other things it's the same thing with going to the gyms a lot of people say they don't have time for it you know but i mean you get to the point to where either you can like do push-ups or Right when you wake up in the morning, you know, or just find a way to do seven minutes or 10 minutes or something like that. Um, if you were, if you really want to, I mean, nobody's holding a gun to your head and saying you can't do this, you know. So yeah, I think really when people say they don't have time for something, what they mean is I have other things that are mm-hmm. too great a priority. This can't be superseded. And for those people who say they don't have enough time, I would love to see the time they spend on social media per week. And then see, because <laughs> I know that's the times like that everybody is trying to manage as well, you know, but yeah, there's, there's time if you make time for sure. And like putting it on a calendar or something like that. And it, it really just trying to make a good habit, which is, it's not easy. I mean, we have that kind of human nature to like want to procrastinate and put things off. And we tend to look at the negative things sometimes instead of the positive things and, and trying to find the way we can make best of what we have at hand, you know? Yeah, so I think just like having a gym partner or running partner, if you're going to have a practice partner, you know, try to encourage each other, you know, try not to let other things intrude on your time, Mm -hmm. you know, make it as much of a priority as you can, if it's really something that you want. For sure. Definitely. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. LearnToKiz.com is what you need. 
progressive step-by-step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart On Fire listeners, 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. Learntokids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. All right, let's talk about going out to the social. Social dancing. OMG. That brings back just so many memories from salsa to bachata and now kizomba. I love going to socials and just dancing. And I will say social dancing has attributed so much to my learning ability because it really gives you a chance to test your lead and maybe lead a follow through something that she's unfamiliar with in a smooth way, you know, or Mm -hmm. if you have a really good connection with somebody on the dance floor and it just turns into this creative double helix of inspiration into your expression of dance spirit is just really, really awesome. And sometimes it's not unplanned, you know, social dancing sometimes is just being in the present moment sometimes and it's not something that you can recreate sometimes because even if you dance with the same person to the same song you're not going to dance it the same way if you guys are improvising you know sure i think sometimes people create this um dichotomy there is learning there's you know classes lessons whatever and then there is dancing and sometimes people you know create i don't know they kind of put shame on like oh like you can't learn on the social floor mm. or, you know, stop worrying about your moves and enjoy the moment. And I definitely understand where those thoughts are coming from. And I do think that balance has to be found, but it's not an either or. It's not that we only learn in class and then, you know, social dancing is only about fun or only about, you know, having some experience with mm-hmm. your partner I think that it's important to recognize that we also continue to learn and to practice on the social floor. If you only go to class, you are not going to become a good social dancer. How do you know if you're leading something? How do you know if you can follow something when, you know, (laughs) you've never danced with a variety of people who might have completely different ideas and Mm -hmm. different steps and, you know, whatever. Now, that being said, before somebody like completely shoots me down, yeah, I agree. It, it does suck when like you want to dance with someone and they're clearly trying to recreate a combination from class mm-hmm. and they just like keep trying to do a move. were like 15% and 12%, so they kind of came in for a tie. Nobody's strongest look like Yeah. Or they stopped the dance and tried to explain to you what you should be doing. Charles and I were curious about the common love languages amongst the general When I say we do continue learning on the social floor, to what extent you should also still be paying attention to your partner uh, whether you're leading or following you want to make sure that there is still connection there is still enjoyment that doesn't mean that you can't have ideas that you're working on and things that you're testing out yes for sure I mean if depending on the level of the lead or the follower, sometimes they, they might want to do that repetitively over again because it gives them that repetition opportunity for practice, you know. So it just really depends where they're at. And if you're coming out to social dance, you're going to get people at all kind of different levels, you know, and 
you're just kind of doing your part. Each person is going to bring something different to the table. So just kind of enjoy at that and particular And I would moment. never shame a beginner for doing the same for sure. move uh-huh. like 10, 15 times in a dance. Like that's one thing. I, I find it more personally annoying when there's somebody who like, you know, they're at that intermediate level where they're like, I need to do all the things. Mm. And, and they've kind of gotten distracted from the connection yeah, and the enjoyment. Sure. And the music. OMG, yep. musicality. That's a whole nother series of podcasts in itself. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but yes, definitely. That's awesome. So speaking about musicality, I think coming back to the topic of self-training, things mm-hmm. that you can do on your own, I think musicality, that is something that you get better on much faster if you spend time working by yourself. And obviously, some of that is listening to music Mm -hmm. in whatever the genre is. Um, And not just passively listening, but actively listening, following certain instruments, paying attention to rhythms, paying attention to the structure of the song, um, maybe trying to hum along or tap a rhythm or whatever. And that's not really something that is easy to do just in class or at a social. I think you can get some of that, but it might feel awkward to do repetitive, you know, musicality type exercises. Yes, Um, definitely. And then there's so many rhythm exercises that you can do. And there's so many like games that you can play, like put on a song. Can you dance to one instrument, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or put on like a favorite song that you completely know and see if you can dance dramatically different rhythms to it i'm going to give you guys a warning i'm going to go off on a musicality rant okay (laughs) the music omg the beautiful music the simple things that you can do to kind of increase your musicality you know and i'm not trying to be stern or like shame anybody or anything like that but listening to the music as simple as it sounds and actively listening like you mentioned rachel can really transform your dancing when you do get to a level to where your basics and your foundation is like solid on point and you're able to now focus on your partner and focus on the music it really does open up a brand new world to the social dance experience you know and the musicality it's one thing to just execute patterns all the time and not connect to the music. And like the music has energy too. And then you're sharing energy with your partner and then you're generating energy yourself. So it really creates like this really interesting energy flow. But if you don't focus on the music and don't take the time to focus on those things, it's really like you're missing out on something, you know. And I, I tell the people in my classes, like you want to get to the point to where your foundation is like ABC123. If you're still struggling to keep the basics or just keep the rhythm and things like that it's it's really tough you know so it's really important to take the time out and like okay where's the one where's the syncopations where what is it that you're listening to what are the elements and you have to train your ear to hear these things and then you have to train your body to express what it is that you're hearing and i just feel like that's the holy grail The goal that you're trying to get to is to become one with the music with your partner if it is doing a partner dance. But I just feel like it's rare to come across that where you really feel that you become you and your partner become one with the music. And I feel a lot of people social dance to find that one moment to where even if it's just for a couple of eight counts, they become one with the music and they feel in the present moment. And I know that happens with me sometimes. It's not every dance, but when it does happen, 
And it just is so addicting and inspiring that I'm going to go out and out. If I have to dance a hundred more social dances to get that musical oneness unity dance again, I'm going to dance another hundred songs to find it because it's just freaking amazing. Well, and I think like with any training, um, doing exercises on your own uh, supports your ability to perform well or have those amazing experiences later. I mean, the same way like we saw a couple months ago with the Olympics. I mean, those athletes often do extremely repetitive, mm-hmm. painful activities that are not inherently fun, but that will give them the strengths that they need in order to, you know, do awesome at their particular sport. Um, and I think as dancers, you know, dance classes obviously give us the tools for dancing, but sometimes we need to, um, work on certain things just so that our bodies are able to do those things. Um, so balance exercises Mm -hmm. are huge, especially, especially for ladies that take on the challenge of wearing high heels. You know, it's one thing you could be that person who power walks down the Manhattan sidewalk all the time in your heels. But you know what, when you start trying to dance, that could be a very different thing. I'm going to give you an amen and you didn't even ask for one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's other characteristics that we train for too. Strength, speed, flexibility. We were talking about stretching earlier. Mm-hmm. When I was preparing for my um, salsa competition in Morocco, I had the fortune or misfortune of having a partner who was also a personal trainer And oh my goodness, he made me do, I had to do running, I had to do weird kind of walking on the Mm -hmm. treadmill, I had to do, you know, certain kinds of weightlifting exercises, I had to do these like really weird hot foot exercises, kind of like you see football athletes (laughs) do. Definitely. Um, But it was all so that when we were doing our, you know, fast paced stuff in the in the in the salsa show and also in in the in the social element i would be able to keep up i would be able to handle the dips and you know whatever else mm-hmm. it's it's awesome when somebody really takes the time to focus on those little things you know and the more you're able to kind of uncover these intricacies that you can train on and make better it just adds so much flavor to your dance and when you dance with somebody who's been training like it's it's something that you can't even see more so like when you're dancing you know but as a leader as a follower dancing with that person it just almost seems like a superpower sometimes you know but it's just something that you don't get all the time but that's why we're creating this podcast we want to inspire you we want to motivate you we want to encourage you to kind of keep dancing or take their dance to the next level because there's really so much to uncover and so much you can use to kind of express yourself that's only going to add more and more beautiful positive experience to your life while we're here you know yeah and i think you know we've all met that person who seems to learn just so incredibly quickly and uh sometimes we hate them like oh my gosh you know they just started three months ago and now they're like way better than me and i've been dancing for two years but i think with very rare exceptions, those people who are learning, quote unquote, quickly, they are putting in so many hours outside of class, away from the socials, 
So their three months has just as many hours of practice potentially as your two years. And so if you find that you're frustrated that you're not progressing as quickly as you think you should be, um, consider what are the things that you could be working on outside of class. You know, it's easy to be like, okay, well, I'm never going to be that flexible. That's me. Like I was born so not flexible. I was like in gymnastics class at like age eight, nine, 10. And like, I just could not, like I would work so hard and I couldn't do half the things that some girls just naturally can do. So yeah, there can be physical limitations, but I think that no matter what you start with, you can always go further you know Mm -hmm. and if you just kind of go oh well i just can't do that you know my body can't do that Mm, but have you tried exactly have you tried doing the things that can help you get closer to that for sure it's a beautiful thing so speaking of frustrations charles earlier you mentioned another thing that can be frustrating to us um yes the knowing that there's a learning curve you know um, sometimes it's really like, oh, well, I'm not, I want to be a good dancer now. I want to be a musical dancer now. I want to be an advanced dancer now. And I mean, there's so much to say on this topic from people taking advanced classes who aren't advanced or think they're advanced and self-assessing their own skill level, um, from people getting discouraged and not wanting to dance anymore because they haven't reached a particular point in their dance. And so, that gets demotivating. And that's I'm speaking from personal experience, too, as well as stories that I've shared with some of my my friends in dance, you know. But if you take a look at the big picture and just take a look at learning in general, there is definitely a learning curve, you know, like you have to ride the wave to get to the point to where you want to. So you have to enjoy the process. And if you think about it, like dancing is an art. And I remember I've talked about this before in my other podcast, the quote, art is infinite. So there isn't an ending goal. The goal is to continually progress. So I feel like once you're able to shift your perspective from trying to get to a particular place to enjoying the process and just kind of focusing on the progression of it and the process of it and the habits, you'll be able to enjoy the journey along the way to get there versus being unsatisfied until you get to a particular place. Couldn't agree more. So... I hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast. I know we're hitting the the 45 minute mark right now, um, but I'm pretty sure you guys can hear the passion in our voices um, talking about these topics and learning. And it's definitely something as dance instructors, we're definitely passionate about because we're the ones that are kind of teaching you and then helping you learn, you know, so it comes from that particular person. And then I, I saw a quote not too long ago that says those who dare to teach must dare to to always to continue learning you know so if you look at it we're just students teaching students <laughs> not necessarily the title of an instructor because we're still students too you know so we're just trying to help out one another i mean there's always going to be people better than you there's always going to be people that you can help so just enjoy where you are now and do the best with what you're able to do at this particular moment you know And if you made it to the end of this very long podcast, you must indeed be somewhat motivated to progress. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Definitely. (laughs) 
All right, Rachel. Well, I appreciate all your insights as well. Um, again, on this third podcast here on the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, because you're so awesome. Um, we're going to go ahead and just give you a chance since you're the special guest to kind of give any closing thoughts and then let people know how to find you online. All right. Well, I think I think we've probably said enough on this topic. Um, there will be links for you to explore further, including um, previous podcasts from us mm-hmm. and um, an article that I wrote as well. Mm-hmm. I run KizombaCommunity.com, which is an awesome resource. We've got lots of articles and blogs, interviews, videos, and also contact information for you to find Kizomba all over the United States and coming very, very soon in other countries as well. So keep an eye out for that. Um, And Kizomba Community has also been adding some other resources um, related to building better dance communities. So if you're interested in things like etiquette or good communication or facilitating classes in a way that is very inclusive um, or even handling difficult topics like issues with gender or with safety, Mm -hmm. um, then definitely come over to kizombacommunity.com because there's a lot of new stuff that you should check out. All right, Rachel, thank you so much for your time and sharing your experiences and sharing the motivation to inspire our dancers out there. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Nothing can stop me, I'm all